0: Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Oh, is it possible to turn this around in the next 10 months for Democrats? Absolutely. And if it's about feel, our feelings change from day to day, week to week, month to month. That's why we poll every single week, because our feelings change. And let's not forget, President Biden will not be on the ballot in 2022. Are there consequences for Democrats writ large? Absolutely. But it doesn't mean that President Biden himself will be the determining factor of the hopes and dreams of the Democrats. (laughs) Of course, Joe Biden's on the ballot in 2022. That's why you have so many retirements of course he is the failures are absolutely on the ballot it's without question i appreciated the fact that i could say that on tv and the guy i was speaking to would laugh as well because he knew it was wrong tony Katz. tony Katz today 833 got tony 833-468-8669 that's the number feel free to call in love to talk to you Anybody who thinks Joe Biden isn't on the ballot in 2022 is out of their mind, out of their mind. So much of the 2022 elections, the midterm elections, are referendums on, on the Biden administration and how they're doing. That's goes, that goes. Honestly, I didn't think that actually had to be said. I was stunned when when I heard it said. I I, I do a lot of uh, of News Nation now, and and they have me often. Now. Uh, connected with a, a a guy by the name of, of Mo Kelly, he's a radio host out, out of Los Angeles, and I, I I find I find I disagree with him, but I don't find him unpleasant at all. Uh, seems pretty lovely actually. But Biden's on the on the agenda. We know he is. And Biden's on the agenda, on the ballot, because we were told that the Biden policies, the adults would be back in the room and things would be better, and they're not better. And so the reason you see so many retirements from Democrats, you had some more announced today, is because they, they see the writing on the wall and they don't want to be a part of this. It's done and it's over and it's not worth the fight. They don't have the kind of district where they can explain this to uh, their, their, their constituents. Let somebody else have that fight. They'll go into the private sector, make $372,000 a year and be done. They'll be a partner in a law firm. They won't really do any work, but they'll have a nice office and a parking spot. Solid. That'll be great. Of course he's on the ballot. To counteract that, the progressive left needs to put uh, Donald Trump on the ballot. And everything they're focused on is on January 6th.
1: One day more.
0: The day and the destiny All about January 6. One more day to go, and we'll finally be able to talk about January 6th. It'll be the one-year anniversary, and we could all talk about how put upon we were and how violent it was, and it was an insurrection, and these, these, these terrible, awful uh, conservatives are trying to destroy democracy, don't you know? Trying to destroy democracy. Settle down. my dear people. First things first, it wasn't an insurrection. I want to be on record explaining how it was not an insurrection. In no way was it an insurrection. It was a riot. And I don't deny that for some people it was downright scary. You got people you don't know in the Capitol. There's yelling, they're screaming. You don't know if they have weapons or not. How would you know? It absolutely could have been a scary thing. And I'm, I'm willing to say that out loud. I think it would be weird to deny that. But as we have now seen, nobody was armed. There were no bang-bang weapons in the Capitol for this, uh, for this uh, insurrection. It's kind of difficult, kind of difficult to have an insurrection without anything that goes pew, pew, pew. But that doesn't stop people, like Representative Pramila Jayapal, from still making claims regarding January 6th and claims against Republicans that Republicans are all about the violence, Republicans are all about the attack, and they're trying to destroy democracy.
1: Should there be more urgency on the voting rights situation right now, given the current state that we're in? I think both of these issues that you've mentioned rest on an ephemeral idea that we are supposed to do things in a bipartisan way. That obviously is what the founders intended. It's what we all wanted. But we have to understand that we are dealing with a Republican Party that has done everything they can to destroy our democracy, that is part of the plan. 400 voter suppression bills introduced since last January 26, following an insurrection is part of a coordinated plan to destroy our democracy. Similarly, wealth inequality is part of a coordinated plan by uh, uh, the largest corporations, the wealthiest individuals who have done everything they can to stop progress.
0: So January 6 was just the start. Now you've got those Republicans trying to uh stop the vote and they're working with those evil corporations uh to to uh continue uh income inequality. I guess we're uh the conservatives are working with uh Twitter and and YouTube also in their own suppression or you have Anna Navarro claiming uh that people were armed Look, I felt
1: I felt that Donald Trump had not been legitimately elected. I thought he'd gotten help from the Russians. But you know what? It would have never occurred to me to take up arms against Donald Trump. That's just not what we do in America. Our weapon of choice is voting, It's democracy. It's the ballot. And so I hope people remember January 6th. You know why? You know how? By registering to vote. By making sure they know where they have to show up to vote, because there are elections this year, and they are so crucial.
0: They are very crucial, and you should be registered to vote, and you should go vote. If only just to uh, show Ana Navarro that lying is not a way to get people to vote; telling the truth is. It was not an armed insurrection. There, nobody was armed. There were no firearms. None. What the 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 uh, what's his name? The shaman had a had a stick. Got charged with having a stick, a pointed stick. It's a Monty Python routine, for the love of the Lord. But these people are sexually obsessed with January 6th. It's crazy. And I use the term sexually obsessed because that's how Representative Acacia Cortez did it. She's there in Florida, she's hanging out with her boyfriend, she's not wearing a mask, she's in crowds not wearing a mask, but everybody in New York has to be masked up, and she favors all that kind of nonsense, and people notice the hypocrisy. And then she took one tweet and said, all you Republicans just want to date me, you creepy weirdos. Whoa. that's That's a big, big stretch right there. That's a big stretch right there. Somebody notices your hypocrisy and then your response is, well, you just want to date me. You just want to have sex with me. That's a weird, weird play. But that's exactly the level of obsession that everybody who's part of the January 6th committee has. Everyone who talks about January 6th, it is this weird, weird kind of, I'm calling it a sex thing. I mean, how else could you explain commentary like this from
1: Representative Eric Swallow? Chris, I'm worried that if Republicans uh, win in the midterm elections, uh, that voting as we know it in this country uh, will be gone. They're already putting as many barriers to the ballot box as possible in Arizona, Florida, Texas, Georgia. And on the other side of the finish line, they're putting in place processes where they could reverse the outcome, even if we crawl through glass and run through the fire to get to the ballot box. And so uh, if they are able to, win the House, uh, the damage they could do, uh, you know, to permanently uh, make it difficult to vote and and just alter the way that we participate in a democratic process uh, could be irreversible. And and so uh, this may not be, as I I said, uh, this is not only the most important election. uh, If we don't get it right, it could be the last election because they're also putting in place what I believe uh, is a way to make sure that Donald Trump wins uh, with what they're doing across state legislatures uh, to allow them to reverse the outcome in the Electoral College. And that's why I also-
0: What in the world is he talking about? Ah, Pay it no mind. Just note that his commentary on MSNBC is if Republicans win, it'll be the last election we ever have. It's just a continuation of January 6th. That's fetish. Weird, creepy fetish. But that's where they're at. So, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry that we're all going to have to be inundated with this and deal with this. But for the next few days, these people are going to be insufferable. What we do know is that no one actually cares about this. They think January 6th was, was unacceptable. They clearly agree that it was a riot. I agree it was a riot. Insurrection, no. The end of civilization, No. No one believes this, but this is exactly what the Democrats are trying to sell. This is what they're trying to sell, and they think this is the way to win the midterms. But this doesn't register. Biden's failures and the Biden administration failures, oh, that registers, and that's a huge part of 2022. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz. The average price for a used car is $29,000. Is that right? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, 833, got Tony, 833-468-8669. That is the number. You tell me, is that what you're paying for a used car? I will tell you, I purchased a used car. That's about right. Now, maybe I bought a nicer used car than some. I will tell you that I, I, I needed a, a third car. The kid's going to be driving. Didn't didn't want to just, you know, buy uh, them a, a, a beater. I've, I've got a car they could drive that's a beater. So we'll get something a little bit nicer. For me and, 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 and my wife. For us. You know, why, why shouldn't we? The kid? The kid's lucky they get a car. Something they're just going to ruin anyway? No, 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 thank you. So, uh, so... Bought something a little bit nicer. But this story out of the Associated Press is about a woman who went to a used car lot in Omaha, Nebraska. She um, had a budget of $7,500. Okay. When you think used car, very often, that's what people are thinking of. She just needed a car to be able to get to work. What she saw were vehicles that were far older than she expected, with many, 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 many more miles on them. She got a 2013 Toyota Scion with 160,000 miles on it. And the, the, the car dealer isn't sure if he made money on the car. Woman needed a car, all right, we sold her a car. Edmunds says the average price is 29000 which is 39% higher than it was a year ago. Uh, holy crap. You mean a car that was, um, so, so what we call 15, 14,500. So let's say 17, 18,000. Let's say it was 18,000 dollars is now 29,000. That's insane. But when you don't have new cars because you don't have them because you still don't have the chips. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, The press has stopped talking about it, so we're like, it's still not a problem. It's still a problem. It is still a huge problem, a massive problem. If you talk to the new car guys, they will tell you quite clearly 2023. Maybe 2023 is when you will see new cars back, and it will take a while. Not fully back, but starting to come back. That's making the assumption that you're, you're, you're going to have the productivity back, that you're going to be able to get them here uh, you know, via supply chains, all those things. I want to know if that's what you're experiencing. Have you been car shopping? Are you car looking? Use car $29,000. It's another great example when we talk about dollars and we talk about um you know an increase in wages. The increase in wages doesn't mean anything if this is what's on the other side. So they'll talk about how uh you you have uh for example um uh real wages are going up because everyone's looking um everyone's looking for you know uh Looking for employees, and so they're paying more to, to get people to show up to work, right? Then we hear about this all the time. So so you're, you're, you're paying people more. That would be an increase in real wages. But if the the inflation is 6.8 percent, which it was last year, that eats up what the real wages were. You have an increase in prices. The wages don't keep up. So you're still paying more. You're not getting any value out of the increased wage because the buying power is less. And the cost of the things is more. If your choice was between paying your mortgage and paying your car payment, you know you pay your car payment, right? You pay your car payment. They can repossess your car much easier than they can repossess your house and you still need to get to work in order to get out of the problem. That's uh, um, a bit of practical advice. That's how it's done. But if you were expecting to spend $18,000 on a car and now you're spending $29,000 on a car, you don't necessarily have that cash so you're financing it. At what rates are you financing it? If you're financing it at a number like 5%, which isn't the end of the world, that's still a fair amount of, 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 of interest that you get no value for. So now you're paying more by $10,000, and now you're paying a higher interest rate as well? Good Lord. Just another example, when, when people discuss uh, Joe Biden and discuss the midterms and discuss this economy... This goes to that larger scale idea and concept of consumer confidence. Don't tell me about rising wages, don't tell me about the glass half full. Here's here it is. I mean, I don't know, I don't know how I do better than this one. You have food prices going up, gas prices going up, and you just spent an extra 10,000 dollars plus on a used car. So even if you were to, to, to scale down the, the, the vehicle, you're paying an extra 3000 5000 7000 real dollars that you may not have in the bank that you decide to finance at an interest rate that you get no value out of, but you have to do it because you have to get to work. To pay for the Biden inflation. That's, the tw- that's 2022, baby. That's the ballot. Every time they bring up January 6th, tell them the story. And when they tell you that it doesn't matter, just look them in the eye and laugh out loud. Because they're proving to you how little they know and how completely disconnected they are from the American people. They're disconnected from reality. Meanwhile, if you've bought a, a used car recently, I'd love to know what you paid for it. On Twitter at Tony Katz, getter at Tony Katz, Tony at TonyKatz.com. You can email me there. I don't know why Patton Oswald is apologizing, but I do know he's a lousy friend. Oh, and I saw Spider-Man. Meh. I'll let producer Ari yell at me later. Keep it right here. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. This is Tony Katz Today. Yeah, never, You'll remember a couple months ago, we told the story of an 18-year-old who was involved in a school shooting. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's great to be with you guys. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. The phone number, 833-GOT-TONY. 833-468-8669. Timothy Simpkins is his name. And he was involved in a school shooting because the claim was, was that he was bullied and he had brought a, a weapon with him. There are actually pictures with him of the weapon in the car. He ends up shooting a, a series of people. Four people were injured. But he was able to make bond, and he was back home, and he was smiling, and they were celebrating with a party. It was really weird. You shoot somebody in a school, you bring a firearm to a school, you can go home? Crazy. Crazy. Well, the story that took place on Christmas Day was that this kid, this eighteen year old, it shouldn't say kid, who was free on seventy-five thousand dollar bond, he was arrested for violating the terms of his release, his release. Because the court ordered your analysis showed a positive result for an illicit substance. So he's out on bond, he has to check in, he's doing drugs. I'm really surprised that this story has gotten no coverage. But the reason this story has gotten no coverage, let us anger the people who choose to be angered, is because the suspect in this story is black. This is an example as I see it of some of the worst bigotry out there. This was a school shooting. It's supposed to matter in the United States. But because the suspect is black, it doesn't fit narrative, and therefore it doesn't get discussed. He gets Bond. It doesn't get discussed. He's back in jail because he was doing drugs while out on Bond. It doesn't get discussed. That's ugly. And what makes it ugly is that it exposes something that we know is true which is a media apparatchik as i refer to it often that isn't interested in news they're interested in narrative and when the narrative doesn't fit they simply move on down the line and what they'll eventually do is realize later hey something interesting happened let me give you an example of that chris saliza of cnn Crystal is a guy I have not liked for a good long time. I was once covering the uh, primaries in Iowa, the caucuses I should say, in Iowa, and he was doing a, a trivia night at one of the local bars. And I was there for a brief while, I just thought he was, I thought he was an egomaniac. But he puts out a series of tweets that are worthy of your attention. Because he noticed something amid the Omicron surge that has made him reconsider the first 20 months of the pandemic. And he says, for months and months, no one I came into contact with admitted they had COVID. Not neighbors, not coworkers, not friends, not acquaintances. No one. Except that with Omicron... Lots and lots of people are now getting it. I have found some of these same people telling me they had it last fall or at the start of the pandemic. It's fascinating, he writes, because it suggests that they were embarrassed or scared to say they or their family had it before. And he comes to the realization that probably not for one reason for everyone, but I do think societally, We unknowingly turned having COVID into some sort of judgment on your character. Is that right? We took people who had COVID and we excoriated them for not being safe or not being vaccinated or for being a Republican or for everything else? Have I or have I not, producer Ari, said on this very show that I will not discuss my vaccination status because it gets used as a political football? You have said that. Because it gets used as a political football. And Chris Saliza has only become aware of this now? It was CNN that posted a story last week that said, you know, the studies show that if you're overweight, chances are, uh, the you know, uh, COVID is worse for you. Really? Hold on. Do I, do I play the, the, the music again? That's what I thought. You play the music again when someone says something that crazy. You didn't know that obesity was a major comorbidity? You didn't know that people who are obese were having greater issues with COVID? You didn't know this? What do you mean you didn't know this? What's it like to not pay attention? What is it like to make yourself so willfully ignorant? Oh, this is special. This is some special stuff. I do think societally, we unknowingly turned having COVID into some sort of judgment on your character. It wasn't unknowingly. It was totally knowingly. That's exactly what happened from media folk like you and from politicos. This is exactly what you did. Exactly what we've been discussing. I don't know. Am I supposed to be impressed that they've, you know somehow come to the realization of their mistake? Or just like we see in so many things, when it's politically convenient, that's when they share the story. You mean you didn't know that the Steele dossier was a complete and total lie? You didn't know that the Steele dossier came from a source and a subsource that was shady as all get-out? That it wasn't factual about Donald Trump at all and in any way? That Christopher Steele was already on a questionable list from the FBI and the subsource wasn't trusted in the slightest? But now that Trump's out of office, oh, now you can talk about it. You cover every school shooting there is. But when it's it's someone who's black, all of a sudden we don't talk about it anymore? And when the shooter gets out on bond, we don't talk about it? When the shooter goes back to jail because they're doing drugs, we don't talk about it? But you take a kid in Kenosha, Wisconsin, Kyle Rittenhouse. Oh, we'll talk about that racist white supremacist. Nobody who got shot by Kyle Rittenhouse was black. White supremacist. Damn. It's it's something else. Now this brings me to the Patton Oswald story. Patton Oswald is a comic. I think he's built an incredible career for himself. Uh, he makes me laugh. I don't like his politics. I think his politics are ridiculous. I, I think I think they're weak. I, I think that he's uh politically uh weak minded. Um he was doing a show and he gets a text from Dave Chappelle Dave Chappelle Chappelle he's playing a local club Chappelle's playing an arena it's Dave Chappelle and Chappelle says hey come next door do a guest set and Patton is like yeah turns out they've known each other for 34 years 34 years is a long time they came up in comedy together. And you got to admit they both had uh, good careers. Pat Oswalt has had a solid career as, as as an actor and as as a as a comic and and Dave Chappelle as well, Dave Chappelle. So he does the guest set, uh he he puts up the 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 Instagram post a picture of him and Chappelle. So people start screaming at him. Because Dave Chappelle hates the transgender and mocks the transgender, which is not true at all or in any way it's not true and Patton oswald he starts writing apologies that he hopes Dave Chappelle changes his mind. He didn't realize that this would upset people. I'm an LGBTQ ally and a loyal friend. There's friction in those traits that I need to reconcile myself and not let cause uh, feels of betrayal in anyone else. And I'm sorry, truly sorry, that I didn't consider the hurt this would cause or the depth of that hurt. You took a picture with a friend of yours for 34 years. Some people on social media got angry with you because Dave Chappelle turned the story on them and you're apologizing? What a crap friend you are. Remember, if you saw Dave Chappelle's special, The Closer, I think it's an hour and nine minutes, and the hour and eight minutes are nothing more than a setup for that last 60 seconds. And the last 60 seconds is turning the entire subject on the so-called transgender community because I don't really know what that entails. Why so-called? What, what is that? How big is that? What, what, what people does that involve? Transgender people say you have to recognize our humanity. You have to recognize us for who we are. Well, you're allowed to live your life any way you see fit. What I have said is that I will not play in the pronoun game. And no, you can't compete in women's sports. Because I won't lie to myself and say that you're a woman. You're not a woman. Men are not women and women are not men. I won't lie to myself. I won't lie to other people. I won't lie so you feel better. Nope. You don't care how I feel. You have no idea what lying does to me. You don't know how lying destroys me. Lying represents the worst part of my life. It represents the pain and the suffering and the depression and the suicidal thoughts. I won't do it again. I won't go back there. No chance. To make you happy, kiss off. No. Won't have any part of it. What Dave Chappelle was saying is he's a comic. He tells jokes. And you, the transgender community, you're going after him for telling jokes. But that's who he is as a person. Don't deny his humanity. That's the entirety of this, the closer. That's the entirety of the special. It was really well done for that moment. He turned the conversation on them, utilizing the tactics that they use, and they hated that. And that's why they went after him. And you know what Netflix did? They had him host another one. Uh, we're doing a big event, and Dave Chappelle's going to host. They didn't cave. They didn't cave, and good on them. Patton Oswald caved on a friend because some nobodies who may have never gone to a show or never went to one of his movies decided to yell at him on Instagram. That's so cheap. That is so cheap. Man, good friends are hard to find. Good friends are hard to find. Dave Chappelle thought enough about you to say, "Whoa, whoa. Patton Oswald is next door? Get him over here oh, I love that guy. You know, we got into comedy together. Get him over here. Hey, Patton, come do a set. We'll hang out afterwards. And this is how you treat him. Because you're not willing to stand up. Because being a friend wasn't as important as others' narrative. That is low class and low rent, man. Remember this story. Be a better friend than Patton Oswalt. I'm Tony Katz. So I asked about used cars and what people are paying and what uh, they're seeing because there's reports that the average used car... Twenty nine thousand dollars. Tony Katz. Tony Katz. Today, I'm like, that's crazy. And what they're saying is that the prices are up thirty nine percent. So I've had a couple of people send me some 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 emails about what it is that they're I- I experiencing. Someone on Twitter, uh, they got a 2018 GMC Sierra 1500 with the elevation package, twenty seven thousand miles. They paid thirty nine five. Now, I gotta tell you, it's a pickup. It's a beautiful one. That sounds, that sounds about right. But then I get to this story. Bill sent me this one. Uh, I buy a new Escalade every three years because I drive thirty-five thousand miles a year, so they are putting hundred five thousand miles on in three years. Every time I trade in my old vehicle, Blue Book is about thirty-three to thirty-five thousand. So uh, they're, they're, they're getting a new one, a 2022, but the trade-in value is now $55,000 for the 2019 with 96,000 miles on it. So doing the math, they did the math. I didn't double-check him. I'll believe him. It's a 66% increase in the value over the 2016 he traded in in 2019. And then uh, there there's Dave. Dave, in 2016, was it 2016? No, 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 it wasn't 2016. It was in 2020. Bought a Kia Forte, right? Simple, small a car, perfect commuter car, and all in, you know, the taxes and everything else, $18,000. But after Biden got elected, his sister went to replace her car and looked for basically the same car. But they wanted about $9,000 more. The car that he got in September of 2020 before taxes for fifteen dollars was now close to $25,000 in late 2021 before the taxes. Now, I told you I bought a used car. I don't think I overpaid. But the reason I bought it now, even though I, I don't really need a, a third car until May or June, is that uh, my fear that the prices were gonna go up, I figure I'll spend the money now as opposed to spend the money later. I think I'm right. I only wish I'd bought the car six months prior. Maybe I would have saved a couple of grand. Maybe a couple of grand. I don't think it would have been a number this big. I really, I, I I just I haven't seen that. But these are some big numbers. You want to know where the, the, the used car market is, how, how serious it's become. This is, this, is, this is almost frightening. No, wait, this is frightening. I wonder if I were to now take this per- car I purchased two months ago and go to, go to sell it, how much would I get for it? How much would I get for that vehicle right now? And, and then do what? what? What do I get on the other side? But they, they, I appreciate everybody who, who who shared with me what's going on. This is ten thousand dollars in the course of, of of a year more for the same vehicle. That's real money. That's real money. Really frightening. Facebook Tony Couch Radio. Be sure to like the page. Great content coming out every single day. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz.